Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Welcome to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. Well, you know, perhaps no other group of people in our society are more important than moms. And my guest today is head of an organization that is all about reaching and serving moms, specifically new moms. My guest today is Laura Zumdahl. She's the president and CEO of New Moms, which is a nonprofit in Chicago that serves young mothers and their children, helping them to find safe and stable housing, a path to employment, and the tools they need to learn and develop strong parenting skills, with the ultimate goal of interrupting the cycle of poverty for two generations. Under her leadership, New Moms has doubled in size, expanding its geographic footprint and capacity to transform the lives of mothers and children in Chicago. Enjoy today's show. Laura, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, let's talk about new moms, where you're the CEO and president. Perhaps no other group of people in our society are more important than mothers. And your organization is all about reaching and serving moms, specifically new moms. So talk about this, how this organization, first of all, how it got started, and what is your mission? Yeah, so you are right that moms are an important backbone of our society and our families, and uh, they yield so much influence in our lives, and we are really focused on moms and supporting them and their children. Um, and in particular, we focus deeply on young moms, so young women who are really transitioning into motherhood, so young women um, primarily who are kind of that adolescence age, age 24 and under or so, and their children, um, and they are either pregnant or parenting, and we really zero in on supporting them in their journey into adulthood, helping them to get the life skills and supports that they need to be successful in transitioning to adulthood and their children as well. And we started 36 years ago in Chicago serving this need that our founder, Ellen Cogstead, saw in her community. She saw young women who were um, young women who were pregnant or parenting, and they were um, often facing homelessness. Um, she saw folks in her community living in abandoned buildings or cars and really was struck by this, and that, that was just not okay. It wasn't, wasn't good for the young mom herself, but also not for this child, and it needed to do something about that. And so started off with really simple response, which was giving out diapers and formula out of the trunk of her car, and um, really just responded to that need, and from there it started to grow. Um, I don't think she had any vision that to, it would become the new moms it is today with the depth and breadth of the ways that we serve young moms, but really just started off by taking those simple acts and um, eventually added some housing because that was such a crucial component with providing safe places for people to live um, and then adding job training and family support programs. And we have really grown and evolved from that, but have remained really focused on how we support young moms. So it's a unique niche, um, a, a unique organization in the country, really zeroed in on this population, and, and all of our services support that, and, and ultimately, we want to surround 
young moms and their kids with all the tools that they need to transform their lives. And so for us today, that means we provide housing for homeless young families. We do extensive job training and a range of family support programs um, that do everything from prenatal support, doula services, home visiting, all the ways that we can focus in on those early childhood years and make sure that kids are developing healthy and, and moms are being empowered to really create strong families. Well, what impresses me about your organization is, as opposed to just focusing on one aspect, say, of how to reach moms and specifically new moms and and maybe one aspect of intergenerational poverty, you really seek to have like wraparound services. You're really holistic in your approach, which I think is really smart. And one of your goals that I read off your website is this. I like how you worded this. It's this, to challenge systemic barriers that inhibit success, providing support and services that help stabilize families right now and alleviate the effects of toxic stress. So there's a lot in there, but I think I, I see where you're going with that. Talk more about that. Like, how do you actually, through your organization, go about challenging these systemic barriers? Yeah, it's the toxic stress that anyone feels in, in moments of um, homelessness or instability from poverty um, is a real thing. And we also see it very connected to the deep trauma that most of the participants that we work with in our programs um, have experienced in their lives. And so um, the combination of that trauma and the toxic stress can can take such an emotional, physical, and psychological toll um, that can make it really difficult to move forward in their lives or to know what to do next. And so we have to really be thoughtful about how we build our programs in ways that help to support um, their kind of healing through that process and build our, um, you know, our curriculum and the ways in which we interact with families that also take those things into account. Um, so we've really doubled down in the last few years on integrating what we know from brain and behavioral science, for example, in terms of how do we help families that are experiencing scarcity and um, how do we help build programs that help to address those barriers that are in their lives in ways and help to create some slack so that they can really focus on the important goals that they're trying to achieve. Um, so, and you know, simple examples of that are things like, you know, transportation is crucial to get to and from, a, you know, a job training program, for example. And so we can provide transportation for folks so that we eliminate that barrier and eliminate the worry of like, how am I going to handle yet this other thing that's piling on? So this, this feeling of like an overloaded truck, right? Too many things to um, piling on and, and um, you know, that's a, an analogy to think about what toxic stress does to us and it's just too much to handle. And yet we can help to reduce some of those barriers like transportation, um, like providing meals for folks when they're hungry, right? Like things like that that allow them to more deeply engage in programs and be able to then work on the goals that they're setting for themselves and achieve those hopes and dreams. And so we've really, um, you know, restructured and, and recreated some of our programming in the last few years to use what we know from science to help us get better at how we serve young families. And um, we have to do that in order to help with individual lives and the ways we serve individual families, Um, but also as we think about what are the systemic barriers that are impacting the families that we serve and how do we advocate for policy changes and be part of those bigger conversations and things that impact lots of young moms everywhere, not just those that walk into our door here at New Moms in Chicago. What's interesting, you mentioned this a couple of times that you uh, lean into research. So talk more about that. Like talk about your method. I understand you pair up new moms with individual coaches, for example. How do you recruit these coaches real practically? And what kind of training do you provide them? And how does this work? I mean, do you, is it kind of like a, a one-on-one course a little bit, adding all the data that you've learned along the way? Or how do you go about teaching these coaches to do this training? Sure. 
and research is really important because it's the ability to take what we know from good academic research that's out there and translate it into practice, which I think is an important role of a, of a nonprofit like Newman's to, to be that bridge. Um, we do use a coaching model in our um, services and supports for young families. And so we hire coaches. We hire um, staff that are um, really serving in that individual direct service coaching role. But it's, it's not maybe the way you would think about um, what we often think of as traditional case management in nonprofits of like, we're going to help tell you what to do. Um, sometimes there's crisis management that needs to happen along the way, but it's really about empowering coaches to have the tools to put the young mom in the driver's seat and allow her to say like, here's my hopes and dreams. I want to, you know, do this in my career. I want this for my family. I want to, you know, move to my own apartment. I want to save money in this way. I want whatever those hopes and dreams are for her and then helping to create some pathways for her to get there and achieve that. And that's our jobs as coaches with young moms is to really center the family in the middle of that and then put them in the driver's seat and just help to coach along the way. Sometimes that means being the cheerleader and the, the support. Sometimes that's a mentor type role. Sometimes that is um, the, the provision of resources and, you know, um, pathways, um, access to things that folks need um, to achieve those goals. But it's the combination of all that that coaches can really do in that moment and walk beside young moms as they make some of these steps. And so we, we set a lot of goals. We use a lot of smart goal planning. You know, we, we know about smart goals, right? Being, you know, specific and measurable and, um, and all these facets of making good goals and then tracking those. And so we use goal setting as a key piece of our work and helping young moms to start with small goals that they can feel then really confident after they achieve those and be able to work towards bigger goals. So we're, we're building those, that muscle memory that young moms have. Um, and just like any adolescent um, at that stage of life or frankly any adult, I need to do the same thing. You know, we set goals and we achieve them and then we, that, prepares us to achieve bigger things. Um, and so we use that as a key methodology in our work. And the training is really an important piece of that because our staff has to be really well trained in, in trauma and understanding the effects of that and understanding how to be a good coach and what those tools are. Um, even integrating some of the, the science that I mentioned from like the behavioral science field where we're able to use some of those insights to say, you know, folks need certain nudges at different times usually to be successful. So how can we make sure we're providing Providing those along the way. How are we creating these moments of celebration for them along the way? Um, what are the things that help people to stay motivated and to get some traction on their goals? And so um, we, you know, work as an organization to do that, um, you know, set up programs and systems that allow coaches to do that then individually in their relationships with the young moms we serve. I like that. I like your approach. And I wonder if you can give us a few examples that really exemplify the success of your work. Like, for example, perhaps share a little bit more about like Bright Endeavors is a social enterprise that you do under the auspices of new moms. This seems like a really impactful social enterprise. Tell us more about that and or the success of your work. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the unique things that we do is we integrate social enterprise as one of our um, strategies to help us achieve our mission. And in our case, we, you know, are a nonprofit organization, but we also, um, in addition to the community-based services that we're offering, we also operate a small business called Bright Endeavors. And it is a soy candle company that is located in Chicago, where we are. And it, you know, it provides great, creates great soy candles that we sell nationally. But 
the employees at Bright Endeavors are the young moms that we serve in our job training program. And so this social enterprise model both has the social mission of providing great job training to young moms, but also having, um, you know, the opportunity to access the market to, you know, earn revenue that helps us to support the program. And so we found that model of social enterprise around job creation and training to be really important for us. It helps us, frankly, to do really great job training because it is one thing to sit in a classroom and talk about what it's like to have a job, and it's a whole other thing to actually have a job, as we know, in life. And so um, what we find is most of the young women we're serving in that program are coming to us saying, I really want to support my child. I really need to. I feel really motivated, but I'm having trouble either getting or keeping a first job. And so our our job then is to help them learn what those professional skills are, um, how to work in a team, how to secure a job. And so it includes traditional things like you know, creating a resume and, and mock interviews and that sort of thing. But it also includes understanding what are their executive functioning skills that they have, where are their real strengths, and how do we help them to, to do career planning and think about what their goals are ultimately and what they want to do and then figure out what's a trajectory to get there and how do we help them to do that and, and focus on their strengths as well. Um, and then they get to practice that in a real work setting. And so Bright Endeavors is that setting for them. It's a manufacturing facility where we make Candles and they get to, you know, help us do that, help us create these candles. They pour and they finish and check quality and ship and, and we sell these nationally and there's a real sense of pride and confidence from doing that um, and being able to say, not only do I now have something to put on my resume, but I have this great confidence in myself because I've seen what I can achieve there and I know I can do this. I know I can have a job and do well at it and so now I can go do this elsewhere. And, um, and then as we help place them in permanent employment in the community at the end of that program, um, they're just positioned to do so much more than they could have without having that experience initially. And so social enterprise to us is a really important strategy because we're able to, you know, achieve our mission by having this setting for them to practice their skills, but we also get to harness the power of the market in ways that make it more economically viable for us um, to do that long term. And, and, you know, as a nonprofit, we have to manage um, those pieces of it as well, too. We want to sustain our work. And so um, it's an important opportunity for us to do that. Hey, everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Show. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a whole group of other interviews with fascinating guests that I've previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I think you'll really enjoy those interviews. We want to give you more content, and we'd like to get that information to you. And all you have to do is give us your email. When you go to that website, you can put your email address in that first box you'll see on the front page, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. In addition to some great content, you'll see the latest uh, podcast shows. It will be actually sent right to your email inbox. And that way you'll never miss any of the great content on this show. The other thing I'll mention to you is if you have questions or comments or you'd like to be on the show, do not hesitate to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Just do that through our website, my email, rob at ccofpc.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Well, you know, it's interesting. This, as you know, this 
podcast is dedicated to leadership, and we've had some great leaders on this show. And typically, I always want to ask them about leadership and some of their leadership challenges. But first, you know, I want to ask you about your own leadership uh, success. And uh, you know, I really believe, and I think most people listening to this podcast know that any organization, the success of any organization that grows and thrives boils down really to leadership, good leadership. And I know you've had over 20 years leading nonprofits. So from all of your experience, what is the most important aspect of leadership in your opinion? Mm, that's a big question, but leadership does matter so much. And I certainly have seen that in my career where, you know, organizations that are really effective are so because they have really effective leaders um, that are, are setting that tone and culture for the organization and, and carrying that throughout. And, and that matters. Certainly what I, what I try to emulate. I think one of the most important aspects of leadership in my mind is this ability to see what sometimes others can't maybe see, to have that big vision of what could be there. And then to align and move folks towards it. So this, the vision setting, which is not just sometimes creating big dreams, that can be it sometimes, the big stuff, but it's also, you know, when there's really big challenges ahead of you as an organization and whether that's with the folks that you serve in a nonprofit, whether those are financial challenges, whatever it is, it's being able to see um, what's not there yet and then being able to motivate and get folks aligned around a path towards it. Um, and that's a really important thing. And you have a unique opportunity to do that as a leader because you get this 30,000 foot view that happens. And when you're, you know, when you're working in a more um, concrete functional area, you don't always get to see the big picture or you you don't get that vantage point. And so um, we look to leaders to to help inspire us to say, what could be and how can I get there? And I think that matters tremendously. I always use the analogy as a leader and as a CEO of of a nonprofit of it's like being an orchestra conductor. And so, you know, if you, go to a concert, an orchestra concert, for example, you walk away and you hear this beautiful music and up there was a conductor whose job it was, was to make sure that each of those different sections of, of the orchestra were doing their jobs. You know, that the violins were in tune, um, that the, you know, the percussion maybe was, was on pace with them and not leading too fast. Um, that, you know, the, the trombones weren't off, you know, going on their own, you know, kind of pathway that they've created for themselves. Sometimes you got to tell people to pick it up or to slow it down or to get in tune. And, and that, or, that conductor is really responsible for making sure each of those different things is working together well. And at the end, if it works well, it's beautiful music. And nobody goes home and says, man, that conductor was so awesome. They're like, the music was so great because they got this bigger whole. And I think as leaders, we have that responsibility to, we're paying attention to those different sections. But ultimately, if it works and if we're achieving our missions in there, it's not about you as the, the leader or the conductor. It's about the whole and um, what you can achieve together in that way. Well said. Well, uh, now let's move to challenges. You know, what have been your biggest leadership challenges over the years and how have you navigated through them? It's probably really cliche, I think, on a, on a nonprofit leadership podcast to say, oh, funding is a challenge. I mean, that's a perpetual challenge for all of us um, that have to raise money every year. I think for me, it's not so much been the, the fundraising piece as it has been um, navigating sometimes through really challenging either funding and political environments. Um, you know, I I get to lead a nonprofit in Chicago, which um, in the state of Illinois has um, had a lot of challenges in recent years. We've had uh, several years without state budgets that really 
really threw shocks to the whole system in Illinois of nonprofits who were doing services and had government funding and um, did not have that funding for several years. And having to navigate through those periods um, and the complexities of how to sustain a business when big pieces of your revenue are uncertain and how to how to center the importance of your mission and the, the families that you serve in the middle of that, while also navigating through a lot of political and, and funding uncertainty um, has been some of the biggest challenges. Um, I continue to think that navigating through bureaucracies and some of the complexities of that is is one of the things that you are not well prepared for in like graduate school or in any other way other than just maybe learning on the job and figuring it out along the way. And I think that has been tricky. Those are the external challenges that I think are hard in leadership because they're, they're going to be hard internal stuff. You know, if you have challenging issues, maybe with a staff member or, or families that you're serving or something like that. But it's the external challenges that you don't have a lot of control over, but that you need to lead through and, and to do so in a way that's steady for your organization. Um, because other people can be feeling the stress and the pressure from the, the uncertainties externally as well. And your job is to, you know, help guide your organization in a steady way through that so that your mission is upheld and, um, and you're doing it with the least amount of pain for people possible. Those new situations like that come up all the time. But I think those are one of the, the biggest challenges in nonprofit leadership, especially. Well, well said. And you did mention this about fundraising because that is an ongoing, ubiquitous challenge that we all face as nonprofit leaders. And yeah, many of my guests have talked about you know their analysis about trends in the nonprofit sector. Um, and one of those issues, of course, that comes up regularly is the issue of fundraising and the trends around fundraising. And we've talked about everything from how fundraising is changing today and how social media is impacting fundraising to how much time a nonprofit should invest seeking funding, say from private philanthropy on the one hand versus government grants on the other. Uh, what your perspective on fundraising today? Like in your opinion, like should the method by which nonprofits do fundraising today, should it change? Should the basic elements of fundraising fundamentally stay the same? Like what's your take on fundraising today? Yeah, I I continue to wrestle with and think that we have to keep evolving fundraising in ways that respond to the market. You know, at the risk of sounding really um, capitalistic here, and, and um, it's not necessarily about my own political views in any way, but it's just about the response to the environment in which we operate. And I think we have to acknowledge in the nonprofit sector that, you know, we operate within a market. And so we have to figure out how do we position ourselves as organizations to use it to our advantage the best we can. Um, and, you know, while we often all fundraise based on, you know, what we can compel donors to invest in our missions in ways that speak to the heart, and that's real, but we also have to acknowledge that people are making um, donation decisions based on, you know, tax status opportunities and um, and that there's, um, you know, markets that are at play there that, that intersect with that. And and we have to think about how to position ourselves with that as well, too. And we don't always want to do that because it's not the, the warm, fuzzy feel that we get from our missions when we start thinking about how we have to position ourselves as a business in those ways. But I really think that's what successful organizations do. And so that, that matters both with individual donors. But the other place where I think there's opportunity um, is around the concept of social enterprise that I mentioned earlier and you know ways in which nonprofits are thinking about how do businesses both support our missions and um, help us to sustain our missions over time. 
So how can we create businesses that are achieving one of our missional goals? You know, for, for example, like job training is, is a great opportunity. How do we do that in a way that then is also creating revenue that we're used to sustain that over time and where we're not as dependent on, you know, government funding or philanthropy from private sources? And I, that's not an entire solution, and not all nonprofits are certainly well-suited to do that because it, it, it takes investment and savvy to be able to, to you know, operate social enterprise well. I have this like really unique part of my job where I'm the CEO of a of a community-based organization and also the CEO of a candle company, which is not at all what I ever thought I would do. You know, I had to learn a lot in that. And so it's not the the end-all solution, and but there's other ways to do that too. And if we think about how we want to create economic development in communities or, you know, how we want to spur changes, are there ways that we can take advantage of the market and think about that and create um, businesses, for example, nonprofit or for-profit or, you know, there's lots of different structures that we can use today to create value there that aligns with our mission and and raises revenue too. Um, and so I think that that's a field that's really evolving and certainly social enterprise is evolving as a field and there's lots of organizations that are thinking about it. Um, but I think we are going to have to continue to, to really focus on that as a nonprofit sector in order to figure out how do we really sustain this work long term. Really good thoughts on that. And I, I think your keyword is sustainability. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's something that is a, an emerging trend that I see that just seeking what does that look like for every organization that is different for each organization, but sustainability is so critical. Now, looking on to next generation leadership, in addition to the great work you're doing, of course, with young moms, when it comes to mentoring other emerging leaders, if you were mentoring a young emerging leader, what advice would you give to this emerging leader as to what is the most important aspect about leadership, particularly in the context of the nonprofit sector? Yeah. So one of my first pieces of advice is to to do what they're doing is have a mentor because I think that is such a crucial thing for all of us. I mean, I certainly rely on people who have gone before me and have great amounts of wisdom from working in nonprofits and philanthropy for years and can, you know, are great sources of encouragement and wisdom to me when I'm facing new situations. And I'm grateful for that. And I think the ways in which we can lift each other up in this sector and and support each other's missions because we all care about, you know, these social missions and values that we have. And I think that's, that's an important and powerful tool that we have, that it, um, in lots of ways we are positioned to be each other's supporters and cheerleaders and not competitors. And, um, I think that's, that's a, it's one of the parts about being in the nonprofit sector I've loved for 20 years. And, um, I'm really grateful to get to work alongside so many colleagues at other organizations and, and, you know, lift each other up and, and support each other in the work. And so I think that's an important component of it is both seeking that out yourself and doing that for your other colleagues and in other organizations. It's not just about your organization. It's, it's others too. Um, and the other piece of advice I would offer is that, you know, this leadership in, in the nonprofit sector especially is, is complex and um, we often are called on to do lots of jobs in our organization. So, you know, and anybody who's worked in a small nonprofit knows how this goes, that you end up wearing a lot of different hats <laughs> at any given time and, you know, something happens and you, you're the only person there to kind of step in and fix it and 
many of us are used to having lots of things that fall into that category of like other duties as described in your job description. And so, um, and you know, in some ways there's this like kind of cultural piece about that in nonprofits that it's just kind of scrappy, like we can do this work and, and that's real. But as a leader, then you also are, you know, often don't always have all the capacity in your team that you want or, or would desire. And so you're having to figure out how to navigate through that. And I think as leaders, we're called to be really good generalists, um, not necessarily um, to be experts on everything. We can't be, but to be really good generalists and be able to um, figure out how to go as deep as you need to in certain things and then move on to the next thing because you will get called on to do everything from, you know, working with your board of directors to fundraising with individual donors to dealing with a facilities issue that you have to, you know, sometimes answering the phone. You're going to have this whole range of things and you've got to be able to, you know, kind of navigate between them um, in ways that, that doesn't burn you out and allows you to, to go to the depth that you need to. And I, I think that's a skill that we can learn over time. But Sometimes instead of focusing on like becoming a really deep expert in so many areas, it's it's better to really think about how do I develop the the leadership skills and the the competence in the areas of leadership that I'm going to need in the future. And so, you know, thinking about that with financial management and fundraising and um, managing staff and like all of those pieces that you're going to need some of those skills in in a leadership job. And so, um, and I think young people can set themselves up to learn those in in technical ways, like in school or, or training, but they can also learn that on the job by putting themselves in positions where they get a chance to do that and, and learn from their colleagues at other organizations too. Well, thank you for that. I love your insights and I love the fact you're, you are pouring into the next generation of leaders. Um, my guest again today has been Laura Zumdahl. She's the president and CEO of New Moms, a nonprofit in Chicago that serves young mothers and their children, helping them to find safe and stable housing, a path to employment, and the tools they need to learn and develop strong parenting skills with the ultimate goal of interrupting the cycle of poverty for two generations. So for my listeners, Laura, where can they find out more about you and more about New Moms? Yeah, so our website at New Moms is um, newmoms.org, um, and our social enterprise, Bright Endeavors, that I mentioned, um, our candle company is brightendeavors.org. Well, that's great. Well, Laura, thanks for all you're doing to make the world a better place. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You too. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.